we are talking about 10 truths about affliction and comfort from 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And you might want to grab a Bible so you can follow along with me. Uh, this is what I had already planned on preaching through uh, last or yesterday and the next couple of Sundays. So that's just based on our path through the Bible. We're in 2 Corinthians. Um, so the two truths that we talked about yesterday, God comforts us in all of our affliction. And then the second one, God comforts us so that we can comfort others. And there, there's a lot to, to be processed with that, and I'm still processing some of that myself, and I hope you are. So I'm just going to give one more of these truths today. It's really a sub-point of that second one. I actually wrote it up here, but I realized that's tiny. I don't know if you guys can see that. Um, but the, the third one, great Christian suffering comes with great Christian comfort. Great Christian suffering comes with great Christian comfort. And I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 5 to show you what I'm talking about, where this comes from. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. And then here's verse 5. This is where this new truth comes from. For, or because, as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. So I'm going to read verse 5 again. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. So we've been talking about affliction, which I told you the literal definition has to do with pressure. Um, and it's, it covers a great deal of the pain and struggle that we go through in life. This is a different word in verse 5 that's translated suffering. So affliction is the pressure. Suffering is the feeling that that pressure creates. It's, it's an emotion word. So it's, it's like agony, maybe, is a good translation of it, as best I can understand it. So the, the broad idea that Paul is talking about, whether he's using the word affliction or the word suffering, is all the, the struggle that we face in this fallen world that is beyond our natural ability to cope with and handle. Um, and then the, the corresponding idea is God's comfort. So you have the, the affliction and suffering and then God's comfort, which in the scope of this passage is referring to the God-empowered ability to endure affliction and suffering by relying on God instead of ourselves. So just get, remember what our terms are here. Uh, in verses 3 and 4 that we talked about yesterday, Paul's being very general about just general affliction. God comforts us in all of that, and any comfort he gives us is so that we can comfort other people. He's getting more specific now in verse 5, and he's talking about Christian suffering specifically. So what does he mean by sharing abundantly in Christ's suffering? Um Everybody suffers in this fallen world, whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian. Everybody experiences affliction 
and the emotions that come with that, the suffering that comes with that. Uh, whether it's sickness, like you know what we're all thinking about with the coronavirus, or injury, or death and loss of loved ones, um, regret, natural disasters, stress at work, whatever it is, just general uh, turmoil and pain that, that we all experience in this fallen world. But then Christians have this added dimension of suffering. A Christian's relationship with suffering is absolutely distinct from a non-Christian's. So we experience all that same trouble in this fallen world that non-Christians do, but the Bible teaches that we are more than conquerors of all the, these things. And that's a whole other sermon for another time. But we, we do still experience those things. Um, but we, we also experience what I'm calling Christian suffering, which is what Paul's referring to here. Uh, let me let me read some passages to you. I have them printed here, so I'm just going to read them from my notes. So when Paul was first saved, he transferred from being Saul to being Paul. God was talking about his intentions for him. He says in Acts chapter 9, verse 16, I will show Saul how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So right from off the bat for Paul, he was going to experience suffering, uh, not in spite of the fact that he was a Christian, but because he was a Christian. It was, it was integral to his Christianity, was going to be a unique brand of suffering. Colossians chapter 1, uh, verse 24, this is Paul writing, and he says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, the church. So there's a lot to be said about that verse, but that's not our main passage right now. Uh, but the idea is Paul is, is continuing on the suffering of Jesus, that Jesus' actual suffering. Paul is bringing that on to fruition for the church that he was ministering to. And he says he rejoices in those sufferings. That's not a surprise to him that he's suffering. It's not um, incompatible with what he thought ministry was going to be like and the Christian life was going to be like. He rejoiced in it. He knew from the start this was a part of it. And then uh, the last one I'm going to read is just a few pages over from our passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. But we have this treasure in jars of clay, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. So we're starting to get a fuller picture of what Paul is talking about when he says that he's sharing abundantly in Christ's suffering. He's talking about this self-giving, dying-to-self lifestyle that is the Christians. This is the Christian lifestyle. Um, Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24, 
If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and pick up his cross and follow me. Paul, I think, expressing a real similar idea in Romans 12.1, said, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is the Christian lifestyle, and this uniquely Christian suffering, it's all ours. This is our unique suffering. Uh, and, and even the way I'm talking about it is completely opposite from the way we would think about suffering apart from Jesus. Suffering is usually something to be avoided at all costs. Nobody wants to suffer. Uh, but this is a suffering to rejoice in. It's a suffering that continues Jesus's self-giving DNA into the year 2020, into this coronavirus situation, into our families, into our workplaces, uh, onto Facebook. Everywhere we go, we bring this self-giving, dying-to-self ministry that Jesus brought into the world when he came and died in our place. So we do it uh, not for the sake of suffering, but to spread the gospel and to make disciples and to glorify God and to serve people. All these great things we're called to, we need to recognize that they involve suffering. And that's not a bad thing. That's part of the package. I know... Many people become Christians under false expectations that it is an escape from suffering. And in some ways it is, and I understand it's a nuanced subject, but in, in this passage what we see is that it's actually an embrace of a certain kind of suffering for Jesus. He talks about it in terms of abundance. He says, we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings. So through Christ, we share abundantly in comfort, too. That word abundant is uh, an accounting term. It's like a surplus. So you may figure up your, your budget at the end of the month and realize that you have uh, spent above and beyond your budgeted amount. And so you have a surplus of expenditures. You, you're in the red. But then you may look at your income and see, oh, I've had a surplus of income that matches that, so it's okay. That's sort of the idea Paul is expressing. Yes, I'm, I'm suffering a ton. Like the Corinthians thought that Paul's suffering spoke ill of him. They thought that that indicated he was not a valid minister because if he had the power of God, why would he be suffering so much? And he's saying, yes, I know I have a surplus of Christ's suffering, but I also have a surplus of Christ's comfort, that God-given ability to endure it and be fruitful in it and thrive in it because I'm relying on him and not myself. I think bringing it back to just the, why we're not able to meet together, the coronavirus and everything related to it, the logistical nightmares, the, the stress on, on people who are having to rearrange their lives. Um, we Christians need to see this as an opportunity to embrace this self-sacrificial Christian lifestyle that is ours. Uh, we need to let all these things that trigger fear in those who don't have Jesus Christ needs to trigger ministry in us. We don't need to sit around um, fretting over anything. We've got great ministry opportunities left and right in the midst of all this. Um, I don't mean we need to foolishly go and get sick and spread sickness by ignoring common sense wisdom, but I do want to brainstorm together as individuals and as collectively, how can we as Christians really give ourselves to our neighbors and our communities during all of this? How can we really die to ourselves 
for the sake of spreading the gospel in the midst of this and making disciples and glorifying God and serving people. That's it for this third truth. So God comforts us in all our afflictions. God comforts us so that we can comfort others. And great Christian comfort comes with great, I'm sorry, great Christian suffering comes with great Christian comfort.